Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are doing another female first, which means we are once again joined by our good friend, the fabulous, the magnificent Eves. Welcome, Eves. Hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm welcoming you now because I'm taking this show over. (laughs) You are welcomed by me. Welcome to Smitty. Finally. (laughs) I've been waiting. You were never welcoming to us. This is my plan all along to just commandeer this space. It's just... I love it. It came out of you just now. You do? You give off a welcoming vibe, to be honest. Oh, thank um, you. It's true. I appreciate so we're that. happy to to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, you know, we were just having a very fun conversation about because we're having some technological woes. We're talking about science today, um, and some old school technologies and things that we used to do around, like old like iPods and old phones and like midi ringtones and all that stuff. That is one of my very favorite things, honestly, to talk about. Like I love this sort of obscure technology that is useless now, but at one time was (laughs) the coolest thing. (laughs) Yeah. And how cumbersome and just inefficient some of those things were. Yeah. I was going back through a bin of a lot of my old stuff and just running down memory lane and thinking about all this, the rhinestone stickers that I put on things that were just completely unnecessary and truly got in the way more so than did anything for aesthetics. (laughs) I feel like a lot of, a lot of the stuff from that time, you've summed it up very well, was cumbersome, (laughs) but we liked it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yes, yes. That is one of my very favorite things. I was telling them, uh, Samantha and Eves before this, that I I had like a song for everybody who would call me. And then I had a very long answering message, like a voicemail message that uh, I purchased with my money. 
in high school and it was a Mission Impossible theme song. Like, it was way too long. It was embarrassing, but, you know, I liked it back then. Yeah, wasn't it? I, I, f- I don't know if I'm remembering this incorrectly or not, but weren't you also able to make songs r- ringtone, so the dial tone? When somebody called you, you would hear the song that that person on the other, the receiving end would want you to hear. Was that a thing? Yes. Or am I misremembering Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was a thing. And it was always started with, this song is brought to you by whomever the company they bought it from. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes. So obnoxious. It was so obnoxious. <laughs> it's also making a lot of assumptions about what people on the other side want to hear. Would like. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's kind of a thought exercise at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Too much judgment. I couldn't do it. Mine was a, it was a very short snippet from uh, a song, Homecoming, on the, the American Idiot album by Green Day. And it was Nobody Likes You. Nobody wants to hang out with you. Wow. Or, that was my song. <laughs> so you were sending very overt messages to the people that right. were calling you. That says it a lot about you. I'm like, wait, are you mad at me or should I be concerned for you? Like, where yeah, are we today? It, it, it was both. It left you questioning. <laughs> oh, gosh. I could talk about this forever. But we do have a lot to discuss today. This is a fascinating story and a fascinating person you've brought to us, Eves. Um, so who are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Eunice Foote. And her first was that she was the first person to link carbon dioxide to atmospheric warming, which is related to a lot of the things we talk about today because it's related to climate change, even though her and a lot of other people who were working in physics at the time weren't at quite as concerned as we are today with climate change and the effects that it can have. But they were looking at the history um, and the present and a little bit of the future of what it meant for the climate to be different at different points in time and how that affected the populations on Earth. Yeah. And this was one of those ones where it was striking to me that uh, this conversation had gone back further than I realized and we're still having it a very like urgent matter today. Just that it, they were talking about it back then and studying it back then. Um, it just really <laughs> stuck with me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because this, well, Eunice, she was born in 1819. So this conversation was happening all the way back in the 1800s. And of course, there was the under, their understanding of climate science was a lot different than it is today. And they didn't use a lot of the same terminology that we use today. And they didn't have, because they didn't have the same understanding. But she was part of this foundation. She was part of the pioneering group of people, albeit her contributions weren't as weighty or significant or maybe weighty is the wrong word. She just didn't go as deep into um, the research around these things as some of the other um, scientists who were working in the field did. But she was a significant part of, of this history. So we can start when she was born. So she was born on July 17th. 1819 in Goshen, Connecticut. Her name was Eunice Newton, um, and she was one of 11 children. Her parents did have 12 children, but one of her sisters had died as a young child, and her parents were Tirza Newton. That was spelled T-H-I-R-Z-A. Not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but Tirza Newton, we'll say. And Isaac Newton Jr. was her father's name. Reportedly, he was a distant relative of Isaac Newton, And she went to Troy Female Seminary, which was a school in New York, which is now called Emma Willard School. 
And through her experience here, she was able to attend science lectures at a nearby school. So early on, she did have some study and training in science, though um, she didn't go that deeply into her scientific training in academia. But she spent most of her earlier years in New York, and she did read scientific journals, and she conducted her own experiments. So she was doing her, she had her own personal interests in philosophy and science, and she chose to pursue those things in her personal life. But at the time, as we know, we talked about um, in recent episodes, when we spoke a little bit about astronomy in a previous episode and women's role in science in that field, but... In general, scientific fields were dominated by men at the time for various reasons, and women's access to studying, researching, and publishing in science was restricted. Plus, physics research and interest in the U.S. kind of paled in comparison to what was happening in Europe. So there was a lot more chatter and a lot more research and interest in research from scientists in the general population in the physics field in Europe. But there was still some in the U.S. It just wasn't happening at the same scale. Um, In 1841, she married Alicia Foote, who was a judge, an amateur scientist, an inventor, and a mathematician. And at one point, he served as commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office. The two of them had two daughters, which was Mary in 1842 and Augusta in 1844. Um, And it's noted that in 1848, she signed the Declaration of Sentiments, Um, which I'm sure a lot of your audience would be familiar with since y'all talk about feminist history a lot. That happened at the Seneca Falls Convention in New York. Her husband also signed the declaration and that document advocated for women's rights. And she ended up doing, there's there's not a ton of history written about um, her early life and her education um, and some of the things that she did around her role in advocacy for women's rights. But she was in New York and was moving in the same fields as other feminists and other abolitionists and a lot of people who were activists at the time in spaces like that. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Moving on to her scientific work, she did do an experiment that could have been a response to theories that she had read in Scientific American about how the sun heats Earth. And as I said, her husband was also an amateur scientist. He was an inventor, and she was also an inventor. But her husband was also doing studies on solar radiation at the time. He became a member of the American Association for the Advancement of Science in 1856. So in Eunice's experiment, she used thermometers, she used two glass cylinders, And she used an air pump in her work. And she put a thermometer in each of those tubes to measure its temperature. She exposed these cylinders to the sun and she used the pump to draw air from one and compress it in the other. And she found that the cylinder with compressed air heated faster. She also found that the moist air heated faster than the dry air. And she found that the cylinder with what she called carbonic acid gas also known as carbon dioxide, got much hotter than the cylinder that was full of what she called common air. And so here's a quote from what she said in her study. The receiver containing the gas became itself much heated, very sensibly more so than the other, and on being removed, it was many times as long in cooling. An atmosphere of that gas would give to our Earth a high temperature, And if, as some suppose, at one period of its history, the air had mixed with it a larger proportion than at present, an increased temperature from its own action as well as from increased weight must have necessarily resulted. So she also, in that experiment, tested cylinders that contained hydrogen and oxygen. So um, there have been recently, in recent years, People who have written about her work, kind of a resurgence of interest in her work after it was dug back up from the archives. According to a 2020 paper that was written by Joseph D. Ortiz and Roland Jackson, Eunice aimed to, and she did, answer the following three questions with her experiment. And those questions, as they stated in the paper, were, does the concentration of gas in the atmosphere affect its warming response to the sun's rays? The other question was, does the composition of the gas in the atmosphere affect its warming response to the sun rays? And the last question was, can the effect of different gases on the warming response of the sun rays be ranked? But there were, of course, these limitations to her work. She did, I mean, as we spoke about earlier, like we didn't have the same understanding. This was still the beginning stages of our understanding about the greenhouse effect and greenhouse gases and how those things affected climate change. She was at the forefront of that. So she didn't answer the how and the why those gases could raise Earth's temperature. Also, the paper wasn't completely clear about her scientific methods, about the the details of the experimentation itself. So there are limitations in our understanding of what she did because of that. But in August of 1856, Her paper was presented at the 10th annual meeting of the the AAAS, and she didn't present it 
Joseph Henry did, who was the secretary of the Smithsonian Institution at the time. Women did speak at those meetings, but it was uncommon. But yeah, so there were reports of her work in other journals afterward, people talking about her role. Um, According to a later summary by David A. Wells in the Annual of Scientific Discovery, Henry had prefaced the presentation of the paper, Henry being the guy who presented it at the meeting. Um, He had prefaced the presentation of the paper by saying something along the lines of science was of no country and of no sex. So it seems like he kind of hyped up her role as a woman and being able to do this kind of scientific investigation and probably, most likely, um, needed to do that in order to get people to listen um, and understand the significance of it and why it was being presented at the time. It's Although... It, was, it wasn't completely clear why he was the one who presented it. Like, that wasn't explicitly stated, but likely had something to do, likely had to do with the fact that she was a woman. But the name of that paper was Circumstance Affecting the Heat of the Sun's Race, and it wasn't published in the conference proceedings. Neither she nor the presentation were mentioned in that proceedings volume that came out of that meeting. But that paper was published in the American Journal of Science and Arts that November, And you can actually go look at that online. It doesn't take very long to read at all. It's only like a page and a half long. And it comes right after her husband's paper on the heat in the sun's rays. It was published right before and right after the end of that page. um, At the, the very last page of his paper was hers. And the the pieces that covered her afterward and publications like Scientific American that did bring up that she did this work and that it had been presented mentioned how her work showed that women could do valid work in scientific inquiry, although they didn't really talk about the content of the work, which is, I think, something that we are very very familiar with. You know, a lot of ado being made about the gender of the person when it was women who were doing something and much less ado happening about the actual content of the work. And now that I'm thinking about that, like, I'm really glad that we have this series doing female first because that kind of like allows us to highlight that, yes, they were women, but like, here are their fabulously intricate stories and significant stories that there's a bunch of content underneath those headlines. So um, that was clear in some of the pieces that were written about her work, too. Yeah. I mean, it's one of, I, I don't know the tone, but it does feel kind of like, oh, look at what a lady can do, but not talking about like what she actually did or accomplished, much more like, okay, she can do it, and now let's let the men do their work. Yeah. So yes, I, I also appreciate that you <laughs> bring those stories, these stories to us, and we can talk about what they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Eunice, she only published two known papers, but... They were the first two physics papers that were published by a woman in the United States. Uh, the, pap- the other paper that she published was just a year later in 1857, and that was called On a New Source of Electrical Excitation. So if you look up Eunice Foote's story, you'll see that the fact that she had this first was, it was overshadowed by um, other men who had done research in the field Um, very early on and were foundational in the history of modern climate science. So that one of those people was Irish physicist John Tyndall, who is considered a founder of modern climate science. He has been credited with discovering the absorption of thermal radiation 
by carbon dioxide and water vapor. He announced his discovery in 1859, which was three years after Foote's 1856 paper. And in it, he showed that water vapor and gases like carbon dioxide absorb and emit thermal infrared energy rather than visible sunlight, which was what Eunice Foote did her experiment with visible sunlight. She used sunlight and shade in her experiment, which she put the cylinders in to test uh, the rising of the temperatures and the cooling of the temperatures in both of those places. But it wasn't until 1861 when Tyndall himself suggested that changes in the amounts of water vapor and carbon dioxide that were in the atmosphere could cause changes in climate. So that's where that link with those what we now call greenhouse gases, they weren't calling them that back then, but those changes in the water vapor um, and the carbon dioxide and the carbon dioxide being a thing that Eunice Foote worked with and that was integral in her getting her first because she linked it with climate change. Tyndall didn't make that link until 1861. He didn't reference Foote's work, although he did call back and credit other people who had done earlier work in the field. And, you know, it didn't help also that Foote's experiment was not explained comprehensively. It didn't have illustrations to go along with it. If you go look at the work, then you'll see that she did have this graph of the temperatures that she used in that paper, but she didn't have any illustrations. And she didn't differentiate between the effect of solar radiation and the effect of long wave infrared radiation, which is more of the radiation that we're concerned with when talking about the greenhouse effect and the effect that the carbon dioxide has on the atmosphere and climate. And so greenhouse gases, of which carbon dioxide is one, they let the sun's light shine onto Earth's surface, but then they also trap the heat that's radiated by Earth back up into the atmosphere. And that whole process, what we now call the greenhouse effect, is what keeps the planet's climate comfortable, which is why this is such a big conversation right now and the fact that the amounts of carbon dioxide that we're emitting through the pro all these huge industrial economic processes that we have as a human species on the earth and how the rising amounts of carbon dioxide emitted into the atmosphere affect the climate change um, and has led to the process that we now call global warming. So that's how that all her work ties into that. But even though she didn't make a distinction between solar radiation and radiated heat from the Earth, she does seem to have been the first person to notice how carbon dioxide and water vapor together absorb heat. And to then from there to make the direct link between changes in these things and changes in climate. So there are some sources, including a 2019 paper by scientist Roland Jackson, that say that it's likely that Tyndall was unaware of Foote's work. He didn't know about it. He wasn't interested in climate change, Jackson says. It wasn't a main focus of his work. But that others in hindsight have dubbed him a father of climate science, but he wasn't the one who put that title on himself. And Jackson, um, in that paper, asserted that there were several things that were to account for her work getting little recognition at the time. That included a coherent scientific community, let alone one in the physics field, was just burgeoning in the U.S. It was just forming. Communication with Europe was shoddy. It wasn't great. So there were things that got lost in translation. 
um, across the Atlantic. She was an amateur scientist without extensive formal training. And she was a woman at a time when many people view women as incompetent or less capable in science. And they didn't have much opportunity to join scientific communities or publish in scientific journals. So those are the, some of the reasons that Jackson and other people who are more on the stance of like, it probably was just the case that Tyndall didn't know about it. He didn't see the work. So it's not like he was purposefully snubbing her or discrediting her work. He just didn't know. But there are other people who do think that Tyndall had to be aware of her work. He was working in the field. Uh, so he was a researcher um, who looked to other people to be able to complete his own work and add on to theirs as he noted in some of the credits that he gave to others. And her work, Foote's work, was republished in some European journals. And because it was a kind of a known thing that Tyndall viewed women as intellectually inferior to men. So there are views on both sides. But overall, like I'm, I'm definitely not the one to make the judgment of what happened. And I'm not sure if anybody could ever make that determination if we don't find something directly from Tyndall that... If, I mean, it would. How scandalous would it be if we did like dig up some <laughs> letter from Tyndall to some other huge scientist, being like, "Yeah, I heard of that foot girl. You know, we got word of some of her papers over <laughs> here in these journals." But she, you know, I'm not even going to try to do a British accent. But she's just a silly American, and she's just a woman. And what does she know? What she's talking about? She doesn't even. She hasn't even gone to school for this. So, I mean, that would be scandalous and a great. <laughs> a great historical thing to find if you're, you know, into, you know, that kind of shade. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't think that, you know, there's a way um, to fully know if we don't get those words from Tyndall himself. But at the end of the day, it's important to view it holistically in terms of like, yes, there were legitimate um, limitations to maybe to Tyndall's ability to have access to it and perhaps from his own shortcomings of maybe he did see it and just skipped over it knowing it was a woman's work. And then there are, you know, legitimate claims to the other side that he had to be aware of it. So all of these things can be true and should be taken into consideration when thinking about that and generally the way that we view women's contributions in history when something, especially when an achievement has already been so heavily contributed to a prominent man in a field. Um, so yeah, that was the whole and sum of Eunice Foote's work. Like I said, there wasn't much else that really made waves in her scientific inquiry and how that affected the community, at least that people know of. Um, but she also filed patents for invent inventions and her husband also filed at least one for something that she invented, which was a thermostatically controlled cooking stove. She died in September of 1888. There are no photos of her, but there has been a growing interest in her work and contributions to scientific thought once people began rediscovering it in the last couple of decades. And there were 20th century scholars who noted her work. And in 2011, a petroleum geologist named Ray Sorensen wrote about coming across her work in a journal called Search and Discovery. And since then, there's been an uptick in interest in her work and more papers, more presentations and exhibitions, and even a short film called Eunice that was released in 2018 about her. So that is the whole and sum of some of what we know about Eunice Foote's life and her scientific work. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And and like I said, it was a great story. And, and as you kind of alluded to, uh, most of the results I found at first when I was looking into her were like, how much did she really do? Did this guy take all the credit? Like all of this like argument that's happening around her to this day. And a lot of people saying like, yes, we've just discovered her or rediscovered her work. And which I find fascinating that there's like still this scientific debate about uh, what she did. And also, kudos to you, Eve, for your uh, scientific explanation. Because I, I read the paper and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Let Eve handle that one. <laughs> so thank you. Good job. This is from my personal limited knowledge of things like this, too. I mean, I know that there are scientists and physicists out there who can talk more deeply about it. But I think um, it's like just as impactful and meaningful to even know a little bit about the surface because I think that's how we generally go a lot around in our lives. Like we don't know everything about every field, but yeah, I think um, that I am glad that this quote unquote rediscovery is happening, but also want to just acknowledge the fact that like these people, of course, grateful to them to bring her back into light, but like people who are finding her work in 2011, they're not the first ones to know about her work. Like there were other people mm-hmm other women um, before before them who were talking about her work and publishing her story in different places. Mm-hmm. Always a good note. But yeah, I, I, like I said too, it's uh, just with everything that's going on, it's just so important to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and I'm glad that you brought this, brought this story to us. Yes. 
And now that there's actually a movie already, I'm going to have to go watch it since I can't say this should be a movie. (laughs) It's very short. The film is very short. It's like 11 minutes long. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, I do that have to like say, my amount of time. That's the best I amount of attention I have for science. Let's go. <laughs> I love science. <laughs> uh, I do have to say, I, I I understand and appreciate why you didn't do a dramatic British like reenactment, <laughs> yeah. Eves, but. Now I'm going to miss that for the rest of my life. I would love if someone would do it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'll do it not on mic. I love doing an accent. <laughs> oh, like, that's fair. It's, those are, those are choppy orders to tread in yeah. public. Yes. It's true. <laughs> I agree. It's true. I agree. <laughs> well, I look forward to that. <laughs> and I look forward to having you again on here. It's always such a pleasure. Uh, where can the good listeners find you? You can find me on many other episodes of Female First right here on Sminty, uh, featuring a lot of other people who have other inventions and accomplishments and achievements and cool and interesting things that they did in history. So go back and listen to that. There are like over 20 episodes um, of Female First. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Not Apologizing. You can find me on Twitter at Eve's Jeffcoat and everything else you can just find on evesjeffcoat.com and you should be able to dig anything else up through there. Or hit me up through there. Yes, yes, yes. And if you would like to contact us, listeners, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.